Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, alone, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Thanks, you can have a seat. This summer we are wandering through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And so we are in the second chapter of Genesis, beginning with verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle, and to the birds of the air, and to every animal of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs, and he closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother, and he clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. This is the story of God for the people of God. Would you say with me, thanks be to God. Well, I want to tell you a little bit about my week. This week, a week ago today, my daughter left for India and she is at the base of the Himalayan mountains. She's over 8,000 miles away from us. She's 10 and a half. I didn't even know that it could work on a half hour schedule, but 10 and a half hours ahead of us. So when we wake up in the morning, she's at the end of her day. And when we go to bed at night, she's just waking up for the next day. A couple of times this week, I noticed that one of us would leave the house for a few hours and then we would come home after being out of the house for a few hours completely wiped out or discouraged or tired. Does that ever happen at your home? I have a couple of friends this week who had surgery, a few that are hospitalized or are struggling with health issues. And another thing that I noticed in my house, this probably doesn't ever happen at your house, but we disagreed we disagreed a few times this week about what was right and wrong, what was a good way to move forward. I also saw this week the need to monitor screen time at my home. Maybe it's because it's the beginning of summer. But some people in our home could completely devote themselves to a computer screen or a television for fun or for work. You need to know I'm probably one of the guilty ones in my house. <laughs> That's my home. And what I recognized this week in my home, that there are so many things that work against my relationships with the people that I love. So many forces that pull me away from the people that I care about. So some of those things are good. They're just opportunities, like Claire getting a chance for a new travel adventure. That's a good thing. Other things are without bias. They're neither inherently good nor inherently bad, like television or work or video games. It depends on how I use them. 
still other forces do bring an increase in anxiety to me. Illness, a change, tragedy. And usually I respond to that increase in anxiety by either fighting it somehow or fleeing. So I get this fight, give this fight or flight response. I notice that there are a number of voices. There are a number of isolating forces that tell me that I'm flying solo in this world, <laughs> that I'm all, all alone. In 2008, there was a book that was published that was titled Loneliness that questioned our modern emphasis on competition because the authors said that competition works against humanity's defining characteristic, which is cooperation. And I see how competition can work against the people in my home. Uh, we engage in sporting events. I'm going to leave here to go to the baseball fields today. And class rank and fundraising events. And then there are those idealistic pictures on social media. All those things tell me that in my world there are winners and there are losers. <laughs> there's an us and there's a them. And these categories battle it out to win. They fight it out. But what I want you to hear this morning is that the Bible tells us otherwise, that the divine voice declares otherwise. The verses from chapter 2 of Genesis are a call for us to come together. They are a call to tell us that we belong together. They're a call to interdependence. I was taught in seminary that Genesis begins with two different creation stories, written by two different authors with two distinct points of view. But I was reminded this week by Ryan Jacobson and by Daryl to give reverence to the editor of Genesis, that there's a reason that these verses sit in the Bible the way that they do sequentially. The story of creation starts really big with a very wide scope. It's as big as you can imagine, the cosmos. And then it gets more and more narrow. It zooms in. Old Testament theologian Walter Brueggemann calls this very point in Genesis at verse 18, chapter 2, an intense reflection on creation, what creation is about. So let's review it real quickly, what's been created. Light and darkness, day and night, and it was called good. Earth and sea, good. Vegetation, good. Sun, moon, and stars, good. Living creatures, good. Humankind is good. And then there are those words, it's all very good. And Sabbath is hallowed. It's blessed by the divine voice, which tells us that there is power in the Sabbath for you and for me still today. But then there is something in verse 18 that's not good. It's the very first thing in the Bible that is not good. It is not good that a man should be alone. And what we need to hear in that verse is isolated. It's not good that a person should be isolated. It's not good when we have a sense that we don't belong. It's not good when we don't have companions. 
Now, I certainly love me some alone time. (laughs) I like that. I can be regenerated by time by myself. But Brene Brown says that there's a difference between time to recharge and what she calls in her family with her children getting that lonely feeling, that sense that you don't belong. And, And that lonely feeling you can get in a crowd of people. You can get that lonely feeling in the airport. You can get that lonely feeling at school. It's a sense that you're not compatible, that nobody knows you, that you don't belong, and it's not good. It's not good for any of us to be incompatible without a companion, without people who know us and accept us. St. Elred was a monastic that lived in the 12th century. And you might not be able to tell this from the artist's rendering, but one of the things that he was most known for was his charisma. Doesn't he look fun? (laughs) He's noted for his charisma that people wanted to be around him. Elred was described as witty and eloquent, a pleasant companion and generous. When he was elected the abbot, At the monastery where he lived, the monastery grew to over 600 monks. That was really big for that time. He encouraged those who lived under his care to shy away from competition and to seek what he called spiritual friendships. And he defined spiritual friendships for the monks who lived with him as those who will cry with you, those who rejoice with you, who seek with you, Where nothing is faked, in this friendship, he said, you can find, your soul can find rest. He wrote, here we are, you and I, and I hope a third Christ is in our midst. That's the truth of spiritual friendships, isn't it? That when we walk together, when we share life together, when nothing is faked, Christ shows up. I want you to know that I see three different images of companionship in our text for today in just verses 18 through 24 in chapter 2 of Genesis. Three different images of companionship. The first comes together when I ask myself, who the heck is the creator talking to in verse 18? (laughs) So the creator says, it's not good that Adam should be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Who's God talking to? Could it be the angels, the divine council, maybe the members of the Holy Trinity? It appears to me that this is more than a thought because verse 18 begins with the words, then the Lord God said. So the divine voice is speaking, speaking to some being that hears God is not alone. The second image of relationship that I see in this text is between God and humankind, really working together on this project of creation. So God forms the creatures, the animals of the field, the birds of the air, forms them from the ground, and Adam gives them a name. And whatever the name that Adam gives them, that's the name assigned The philosopher Martin Buber wrote, in the beginning was relation, not just a God who longed to be, but a God who longed to be with. I love that thought, that God values companionship. 
A couple of weeks ago, I came across this great teaching by Father uh, Ronald Rollheiser, who lives here in San Antonio. He's the head of the Oblate School of Theology. He was encouraging a life of prayer and contemplation. And as he was in, encouraging the faithful to be prayerful and contemplate, he said, it's because God cannot be thought that God can be met. So God is bigger than my thoughts. God is bigger than my words can explain to you. But thank heavens, God desires relationship. Each one of us can meet God. God is accessible to each one of us. God cannot be thought that God desires to be met. And then the third image of companionship that I see in this text is between the man and the woman. So a more accurate translation of the word helper or partner might be um, the one who is corresponding to, one corresponding to. She is created not from the ground, but from a rib. Some translations say from the side of Adam. Greek mythology tells the story of Athena, of the goddess Athena. She's the goddess of wisdom, and she comes, she springs forth from the forehead of Zeus, right? She's created from the forehead, from the seat of the brain. And I suppose sometimes in my own partnership, in my own marriage, I like to act like Athena, like I came from the brain, like I know it all, like I'm going to tell my partner what to do. <laughs> but that's an act. <laughs> that's not my role. My role is companion. It's to be at the side, from the side. Verse 23 the very first words that humankind speaks in the Bible is in verse 23, where Adam says, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And these words signify kinship. They're the very first words spoken by a person in the Bible, and they are at the very minimum an exclamation. But we could say they're a poem. We could say that these words are a love song, because it is, it is as if these words proclaim what all great love songs proclaim. You get me, I get you, you see me, I see you. The important thing, I think, in that exclamation in verse 23 is celebration, that the man celebrates the woman. And so if you sit here with your partner, or if you sit here and your partner is at home, and your partner is different from you, that's worth celebrating. That's a good thing. That is worth being thankful for today, that you didn't marry somebody, that your partner is not somebody that's exactly like you. I remember hearing this passage preached in my grandmother's church when I was a child, and the sermon went something like this. My grandmother was Southern Baptist. And so when this, when this passage was preached, the pastor said, man came from God, and woman came from man. And so it was like, it was almost like a reading of the officer rank in the military. <laughs> man came from God and woman came from man. And so doggone it, I had the lowest rank. <laughs> Rabbi Jonathan Sachs says that there is a nuance in the, Hebrew Christ, in the Hebrew of the Bible that traditional Christians don't get, that we miss when we read this passage. In Hebrew, there are two words for man. Adam and Ish. Adam is used to refer to the species. 
So we could translate Adam as being homo sapiens. And Ish is the person. Uh, It's the guy. It's the man. This character hanging out with God in the garden is Adam. It's homo sapien. It's humankind. Until Isha appears. So in the text in Hebrew, there's Ish and there's Isha. And that's guy and gal. Or man and woman. Isha is the feminine form of the noun Ish. And it's as if, in verse 23, that the man has to speak, to pronounce her identity, to say Isha before he gets that he's Ish. He can only understand who he is when he sees who she is. And it tells me, it reminds me of the need to acknowledge another, to be in their presence, to be in relationship with other people. That I have that need because it then tells me who I am. It reminds me what I am to be about. Don't mistake these words as a call to dependence. To have another person define you or to use your time and energy to define another person. These two, Ish and Isha, are separate and they are individual creatures. I mean, ancient experience and our experience, too, would tell us that these two individuals, Ish and Isha, are as different as night and day. Man and woman, they're different. And yet they come together. They are companions. And they seek to, to understand one another. Now, one more bit of, of wisdom from Rabbi Sachs. Rabbi Sachs wrote that truth and beauty, and goodness, and life does not exist in any one person. But instead, it exists in the space between us. The space that's in between. That has to be true. Because my temptation is to think that I have a corner on these things, on truth, on goodness. But the, the truth is that goodness and beauty exist in the space that is in between you and me and is in between me and my close relationships. We need one another to experience the goodness of life. We have to have one another to experience what is beautiful, what is true, what is good. And we need to be different because in our differences, we see who we truly are and what we have to offer. And it is in seeking out one another that we get the good things in life. We have talked in here about sin as a break in relationship as opposed to doing things the wrong way. And I believe that that's true, that sin is about a break in relationship. This week I saw another definition of sin that follows, that resonates with that priority of relationship. And it said, sin is any time that I treat another person like a thing. Sin is any time that I treat another person like an object. Then the other person just becomes an extension of me of what I want, rather than acknowledging the divine reflection that's present in another person and the sacred space that pops up, the sacred space that exists between us. It's not good to be alone. We need companions. We need partners. And a partner is not one to control. 
and a companion is not a clone. Jonathan Brooks is a pastor, and I'm going to show you a video clip of his teaching. He's a pastor who talks in this video clip about what it means to be in partnership with other people. And so he's going to talk in this video about um, the broader context of being a partner. He's going to talk about what it means to be a partner in community. But I think you can take what he applies, what, what, he, what he teaches, and apply it to your closer, more intimate relationships. He's going to say this about being a companion and being a partner, that there are three things that we need to do. The first is to welcome another person. It's hospitality. The second is to say that what's important to you is important to me. If there's something that you're concerned about, I want to hear about it, and I want to be bothered by it. I want to be moved by it. And then the third thing he calls mutuality, and he says when we are involved in a relationship of mutuality, then when you're gone, there's a void. When you're gone, it makes a difference in my life. Your presence makes a difference in my life. So here are the cliff notes on Genesis chapter 2. Relationships are significant, and relationships are worth noticing. People are worth noticing, and people are worth celebrating. Do that today.